1: grace and peace to you, and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we're in the middle of a series called Awake with a message called Eyes Wide Open. Pastor Sean is going to challenge you with this. Jesus believed in and lived in relationship to an unseen spiritual world. Why do some people believe and others don't? How can we be awakened to unseen realities that have the potential to change our lives forever? You can follow along with the notes and discussion questions for your own Bible study on the sermon page, as seen at reallife.org. We're starting off in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's time for Radio for Real Life.
0: Awake, living the resurrected life. We're going to continue that. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's where we're going to end up this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There is a scientist named Leonard Mlodenau, and he co-authored the book The Grand Design with Stephen Hawking. And in an interview that's been made kind of popular, uh, he made a couple statements. First, he declares, science shows that God is not necessary to explain the universe. He also adds, I find it very hard to see how people could believe in the Bible. But then, Later in the interview, Mlodenau gave a very surprising answer to another question in the same interview. He said this. He said, I tend not to believe things that there is no evidence for. But that's not always true. I do believe, for instance, in aliens. I believe there's life on other planets. I think there's no evidence for that. We don't understand the origins of life on Earth well enough to say how probable it is that on another star life would form. But in my heart, for some reason, I find myself believing that. Now Christian apologist William Lane Craig commented on the quote. He said, this is really bizarre, isn't it? That he believes in aliens even though he says he has no evidence for it, but he just finds he believes it in his heart that extraterrestrial life exists. But he doesn't apparently find it in his heart to think that God exists the way many people do. If he thinks he's rational in believing in aliens, why isn't it rational to believe in God? And I think it's a really great question. I also think there's a pretty obvious answer, and I hope as we get into the teaching this morning, you'll, you'll find the answer to that question, because it's actually fairly simple, I think, and we're going to uncover some of those things. Now, we're in this series. If you're new with us, welcome. Great to have you with us. We've been in a series called Awake, Living the Resurrected Life, and we start on Easter and we learned a concept. We said resurrection is not a doctrine to be learned, but a life to be lived. We, on Easter, we always celebrate the resurrection, and it can become a historical thing that we look at, and we, we forget that, wait a minute, this is a game changer. It's not a doctrine that we just simply learn. It's a life that we live. Because of Christ's resurrection, this faith of ours is different. Because of his presence and his spirit in us, we are different. The resurrection is truly transformative. It's not a doctrine we learn. It's a life to be lived. Now, we also talked about how we are under construction. That's the idea that God is working in each of us. He is growing us. In fact, I suppose if I were to talk to each one of you, if we could have like an individual conversation, I suspect you could tell me areas where God is working on you. You know, The fact is, we don't have to be slaves to the same hangups, sins that have plagued us, or that maybe we beat our heads against the wall and say, man, I wish it were different. I wish I could grow through this. Why do I always do the same thing? We don't have to be slaves to that. He is doing a work in us. And if I were to sit with you, you could tell me those things that God's trying to work in your life. You could probably list them off. You could, God is working in, or God is trying to get me to be more, and you fill in the blank. You know, God's trying to get me to be more patient. Any of you, God's trying to help you be more patient? Like I'm the only one, there's three of us. Good, good. Well, you guys, wow, you guys got it. Teach us, sensei. If you figure this out, you know, but there's 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 lots of other things. God's trying to work on my joy. He's trying to work on my self-discipline. He's trying to work on my spiritual listening. All, all different kind of things that are part of our growth. My thought life, what goes through my mind. He's working on that. And so we're under construction. That's part of the resurrected life. We saw that we're to be awake to the reality that God is at work all around us, that that the circumstances that are kind of happening around our life are are do not have to have the final word that God's doing something. And then last week we looked at the resurrected life awakens you to the gift of a new family and how that's such a powerful thing and how a lot of us are not sure kind of we want that. We we know we want the father and not sure about the brothers and sisters, right? And we saw it doesn't work that way, okay? You get the father, it's family. You get the brothers and sisters. And we saw last week how many good things God does through the family. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to talk about having our eyes open. The title of the message this morning is Eyes Wide Open. And here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He starts out and says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me go back on that a little bit. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Let's first of all talk about the God of this age. How do you process that? Is that an actual personality, a a governing authority? Or is Paul just using a metaphor? Because I think how we answer that question is really significant. I think sometimes we we look at at the talk of spiritual things in the Bible. The idea that there would be an actual personality, a spiritual being that claims authority and that governs and leads the age or the culture. I think that's an idea that, that sometimes we wrestle with. And how you answer that question is really important. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ as the image of God. Uh, I I just want to pause and say, um, we get really frustrated because we deal with people, we live in a world where sometimes things that seem so obvious and simple, just truth, and people look at it and they don't see it. It's like, how can you not see that? Well, Paul tells us. There is a spiritual force at work that literally blinds us apart from Christ until we know Christ, until kind of the light comes on. There is a blindness that happens. And so we shouldn't be getting all frustrated with people. I mean, I know it can be difficult, it can be challenging, but we need to remember there's something at work. They've been blinded. They can't see it. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made the light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this light he's talking about. He says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's really important. It's really important because some people say the problem with, with Christianity is that Christians, you know, they've got this Bible, they talk about God, they talk about the love of God, but then sometimes they're just plain people. And they're just, you know, why can't they be better? Why can't they do better? Well, what Paul is pointing out is that we have this treasure, the spirit, the light of his presence, but we have it in jars of clay. Another translation says earthen vessels. In other words, common, regular people. There's still that part of us where God is doing something powerful and miraculous to his spirit, but there's a part of us that is still yet being transformed. That's the jars of clay. And and what he points out is that that's really important because if they were jars of diamond, if they were perfect in and of themselves, then what would they need the treasure for? The point is, the fact that God can do what he does with regular, flawed people is a testimony to his power his glory and that is from him and not us we have this treasure in jars of clay paul goes on says we are hard pressed on every side he's talking about the challenges and the fights he says we're hard pressed on every side but we're not crushed we're perplexed but we're not in despair we're persecuted but we've not we're not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That's a fascinating idea. He's talking about the inevitable reality that that there's a huge wave of opposition against us, and sometimes we can feel hard-pressed on every side. He says, but we won't be crushed because of Jesus. He says, we're perplexed. You can look at things and you can read the news. You can go online and you can just be like, what in the world is going on? It seems like the whole world is going crazy. He says, we can be perplexed, but we're not in despair. How are you doing in, in that category? They're not crushed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we know we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we're not destroyed. See, because while we carry around in our body the death of Jesus, the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body, and I guess I just, as your pastor, want to stop everyone while so and say, "How are you doing in that regard?" Because there is, there's so much garbage that comes our way, and it seems like there's just this huge wave of opposition. So much. How are you doing as far as keeping your eyes lifted and remembering you're not alone? He goes on, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. In other words, we're struggling, we're having hardship for this mission, but the point is life being shared, the life of Jesus being manifest. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That's what this whole series kind of started with, this idea of resurrected life. Resurrected power working in us. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And look at this phrase, Therefore we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, note that phrase, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all.
1: We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Eyes Wide Open, which is available right now for free on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
0: God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And now back to the message Eyes Wide Open. This is Radio for Real Life.
0: So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Uh, look at this phrase, Therefore we do not lose heart. Do you know, he mentioned that twice. Earlier in the chapter, he also mentioned that before we actually, before the verses we read, he said, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. He says, we do not lose heart. And when you talk about the opposition, you talk about all the stuff he's facing, how is it that he can say that? And he explains, our light and momentary troubles are achieving something far greater. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. This is the key. Listen to this. But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's his secret. That's why he's not losing heart. And that's why he says we should not lose heart. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The resurrected life awakens me to the world of the unseen. The resurrected life awakens me to the world of the unseen. See, we have to decide what we're going to believe about this. We have to determine if this unseen world that the Scripture talks about, that we talk about, is real, and not just real, is it relevant? Is it real and is it relevant? How are we going to process this? Now we come here, we come to church every weekend, you know, unless of course you listen to Mike and then just blow that off. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the support. Take one for the team. But we come, we gather together, we get together in our community groups and everything, and we talk about spiritual things. And, And these are things God our Father, Jesus said, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship his spirit and truth. So our physical eyes are not seeing him. We deal with faith. We deal with things like prayer. A lot of things that really focus on the unseen. And that's kind of what, that's the core of what we do here. And, and I want to suggest that sometimes we get these two compartments in our life. There's the, there's the unseen, and that's the one we're in right now, okay? And, but then there's the seen, okay? And the unseen is the one that we'll, we'll talk about and we'll deal with here. God, faith, eternity, spirit, all these things, the unseen. And we'll deal with that this morning. And, you know, we come get it. And, and we process it. And we'll probably pull it out if we do our daily devotions. You know, we get the Word of God, we get a notebook or something, and we have our daily time with the Lord, and we got the unseen. But, the, but then that kind of stays there when we leave. It stays with our, our notebook and our Bible and other things like that. We maybe pull it out when we go to community group or when we go to Bible study or something. We get the whole unseen. Okay, we get that out. The, the problem is that the minute we leave the house, get in the car, and we go to work, we kind of push that aside, and we, we only deal with the seen part of us. Because that's the part that has to go to work and, you know, deal with people and clients and vendors and contracts and resources. And we deal with it when we deal with our money, our savings, our house, maintenance, all the stuff that we do in life, all the regular stuff we do, we kind of act as though, well, the scene world is where we're living in now. And the unseen, that's for another time and place, but we're going to deal with the seen world. And I want to suggest Paul is not presenting it to us like that. He is presenting that these two worlds exist, and they're both real, and they're both right next to each other. And and we have to decide how we're going to deal with that, the seen and the unseen. We live in a world that struggles with that. Look at what the writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's a great passage. The confidence for what we hope for its not a baseless hope. It is a hope based on Christ and his word. But then he gets even stronger. Assurance, or I am certain, I'm sure, I'm assured of the things that we don't see. That's what faith does. Faith is what brings those things to reality faith is confidence what we hope for assurance about what we do not see this is what the ancients were commended for now the rest of the chapter 11 he's going to talk about all the different things that god's people did by faith amazing miraculous powerful things that they couldn't have done if they hadn't stepped out and trusted god right but then look at verse three by faith we understand that the universe was formed at god's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible The universe was formed at God's command in Genesis, right? So that what is seen, all this stuff right here, was not made out of what is visible. So there's this claim that the original is the unseen. The seen, all this stuff, this material stuff that we engage with, that's the secondary product. And... and this is something we're going to bump into. How many of you guys struggle sometimes with the kind of dichotomy that we face between what we would say faith and science? Any of you guys ever struggle with that? Yes, several honest people in the room. The rest of you are like, can't eat it, doesn't put food on my table. I don't care. I don't think about it. God bless you for your honesty. No, I think a lot of us sometimes wrestle with that because there's this sense by which science... Is considered reasonable and faith is by nature unreasonable. We just, I'm part of a board for our fellowship of churches. We're part of a denomination called the Missionary Church, great group of churches, and I serve on what's called the General Oversight Council. And you know, we do all different kinds of things. One of the things we had to do, we were updating some of the language in what we call our articles of faith and practice. We were you know we're not changing what we believe but but making sure we're saying it the best way to where our churches can find it useful and our people can find it useful so it's a good exercise and one of the things we talk about touched on this subject of creation versus evolution and kind of contemporary thought and we had a significant significant conversation because there are a whole lot of believers who are really struggling with the simplicity of the Genesis account, and who want to know, well, wait a minute, there are things in science that seem to be observably true, or at least really smart people who are specialists in the fields claim they are true. And so how do we merge this? How do we deal with this tension? And one of the ways that's been dealt with, one of the streams that has emerged is called theistic evolution. Theistic evolution is the idea that evolution, the things that geneticists, evolutionary biologists, and others talk about, that those were the mechanism God used to create, that God created. So they are believers, but they believe that the mechanism he used was what we would recognize as standard evolutionary thought. Now, I think that's that's a significant conversation we need to have let me just say right away i believe in the camp of bible believing spirit-filled true followers of jesus there is room for both of these groups let me tell you why okay and the basic the different one of the big differences is, is One group says, okay, the book of Genesis describes on the first day, on the second day, and that those were literal 24-hour periods, and that God created the world in six literal 24-hour periods. The other group says, no, 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 those were creative time spans, because remember 2 Peter 3.8 says, well, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. And so God isn't really bound in the context of time the way that we are, because that's really what that that passage is talking about it's talking about how we experience time like one moment at a time and it's very sequential right god doesn't god is outside of time so for us time is one moment at a time and there was a moment when i began talking about this subject and that moment is gone and now it's just a memory and all we really have all we can really experience cognitively right now is this moment of now and now that's gone so right now we're in now oh it's gone see what i'm saying it's because because The beginning of this conversation is a memory, okay? We can think about what we're going to do for lunch and everything, and that's just a vision, that's a hope, that's a possibility. But what we are consciously experiencing is now, boom, and now that now is gone. And we're in a new now, and that one's gone too. (laughs) It's really scary how quickly my life is slipping away before your (laughs) eyes. But you know what I'm saying? That's the idea behind time. And and the idea is God is outside of that, And, and we are all pretty much agreed on that. God is in yesterday, and he is already tomorrow. He exists outside of time, and that creates all kinds of interesting possibilities. And so there are those who believe that what we see and the way they kind of bring together and marry what they understand of scientific thought and what they understand of biblical thought is they have this idea of six creative time spans rather than six literal days let me say right up front i believe god if he chooses to create everything we know and experience in six days he can do it i think god could do it even faster okay if god wanted to show off he could do it 15 minutes if he wanted to okay you, you can quote me on that. God could create the world in 15 minutes. Okay, I, I believe that. You need to understand. I don't have any problem. But I also want to state very clearly, the Bible is not a science textbook, and it doesn't try to be. Fascinating idea. It, 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 the Bible for all of creation, the creation of the world, we would be arguing over this for millennia. Okay? Okay. And the Bible gives us two chapters on the creation of the world. Isn't that pretty interesting? Two chapters. gives us 12 on the life of Abraham. What does it tell you about God's priorities in giving us the word of God? What was he trying to say versus what did he choose not to say? And it's really important to understand he did not give us the mechanism by which actual creation emerged. The Bible tells us the factual and, I believe, completely accurate account. God said, and there was. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God said it was good. And we go through the days of creation. God said, and there was. God said, and there was. I will tell you there's an exception. Chapter two, he kind of dials down and kind of takes a, a closer view of the creation of man and gives us very specifics on the creation of man. That's an interesting insertion, and we need to pay close attention to that. Because we're told, God said, let us make man in our image. Male and female, he created them in his image. He took the dust of the ground and he formed the man. And then from the rib of the man, he formed a woman. And he put them together. And so there was something unique, and he breathed his spirit into them in a very unique way. But the fact is, other than that account, and even then, there's a lot of possibilities. Well, in God's forming process, how long did that take? How did he do that? that? I don't know. And the Bible chose to leave a space. It is not trying to be a science text. And when we try to make it such, I think we do a great disservice to the truth. See, I think as we go through, we kind of watch what happens with science. I think every time there's any discovery that we think we're certain about something, five new questions emerge.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Eyes Wide Open, it's available right now for free on demand at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gifts helps this radio ministry continue. Again, look for the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.